Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What will Joey Porter Jr. have to do to get earn a starting spot with guys like Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace ahead of him on the cornerback depth chart? We talk about that. We get a review of the Penguins draft and a preview of what they might do in free agency, as well as we talk some Pirates with Andrew McCutcheon coming after Major League Baseball for making the, making the Pirates play in the smog, as well as all of the players. And we also talk about the Pirates sweep over the Padres. It's a full Pittsburgh sports podcast here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find all our content at post-gazette.com. You can also check out this podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but all of our daily podcast content on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of the daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And again, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episode that we do every week of the North Shore Drive Podcast. And we are joined again by Ray Filippato. No Brian Batko. He's on vacation, so we got Ray filling in for the entire week. Thank you, Ray, for joining us yet again. We will have Matt Bensel talking Penguins. We will have Jason Mackey talking Pirates. We've got all three major teams on today's show, so it's going to be exciting. But, Ray, I wanted to talk to you about the potential of Joey Porter Jr. starting this year off the bat and what he's going to have to do to prove that over guys like Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace. Now, Patrick Peterson... A, a future Hall of Famer. Everyone's talked about him. He's a big part of why he's coming in. There's no re- There's no way that Patrick Peterson's sitting on the bench. Levi Wallace had about four interceptions for the Steelers last year, and it was a it was a very nice addition that they made in free agency and earned his his keep uh, to stick to stick around. Those are not easy guys to just replace if you're Joey Porter Jr. Now, granted, you're the first pick of the second round, so you have a high pedigree, and the Steelers want you to be there. But what do, do you think you'll have to see from Joey Porter Jr. if he's going to be a starter out the gate uh, after training camp? Yeah, I don't really think, Chris, it's anything that's going to be on the field, right? I think it's more so going to be mm. demonstrating uh, full knowledge of the defense. Or, it, you know, at the very least um, – a full knowledge of what his role is within that defense. I, I you know, I, I think the great thing um, for the Steelers and for Joey is they, they really tried to set him up where he can earn a starting job. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson was brought in to be that mentor type of a guy later in his career. And also Joey's experience um, with the Steelers. I, I really think it means something. I, I think 
He knows how they do business. He knows how to be a pro. And I think probably more so than any other rookie, he understands what NFL is like. So he won't be in awe of anything when he goes to training camp. Joey Porter Jr. has been on those fields. You know, he he's he's been on those fields with pros before back when he was in high school. So um, I think it's set up for him to win that job. I just don't know when it's going to happen. You know, I, I think we'll have a better understanding of that probably six weeks from now or so, you know, once the preseason games get underway. But to me, it's, you know, they, they drafted him at number 32 overall for a reason. They believe in the person, they believe in the player, and they believe in the skill set. He has everything they're looking for, length, size, experience in college. Now, to me, it's just, hey, can you digest the playbook and can you um, play fast on Sundays? And that's that's going to be their read on and That's what it's going to come down to. I think it's definitely going to come down to that. But I think the question will be, Will that be enough to, to 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 overtake one of those two guys? You presume it would probably be Levi Wallace being, you know, Patrick Peterson being a big free agent ad that they made this year. But Patrick Peterson's also talked about maybe jumping to the slot, not all the time, but as part of different packages that they offer. And if they're moving him around, maybe does that does that automatically create space for Joey Porter? Or do you think it's just as simple as move over Levi Wallace? Joey Porter was drafted. He's going to be the guy here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that depends on what happens with Joey in the early weeks of training camp. You know, I go back to 2016, Chris. Artie Burns was the number 25 overall pick. And um, they were in a position then where they, they wanted him to start start right away. Um, but he had an injury in training camp, and that kind of pushed back his mm-hmm. progress. He missed a ton of time in camp. So the way Artie's season started, his rookie season started, was he came off the bench and he played in sub-packages. And then they waited until week eight or week nine at Baltimore to insert him into the starting lineup. So, you know, if, if Joey stays healthy, I could see that happening sooner. Um, uh, but if there's any hiccups along the way, you know, a little ding here, a little ding there, hey, maybe maybe Levi Wallace is just playing better than, you know, we could have a situation like we saw back in, in 2016. But I do think whether it's, by September 1st or October 1st or Halloween, I, I think Joey Porter Jr. is going to start. But no matter how it plays out, I definitely think they're going to work him in. Like, as you as you said, right, if Patrick Peterson bumps into, inside to the slot, and that's a perfect opportunity to put Joey Porter on the outside in some, some, some sub-packages. Um, so we'll have to wait to see how it plays out. Shannon Sullivan is going to play a big role in this. What's their comfort level mm-hmm. with him in his first season with the Steelers? So um, there are multiple scenarios that have to work out, and it's not all just about Joey Porter um, in the secondary. It's going to be about how these pieces fit, and there's going to be a bunch of different sub packages. So whether he starts or not in that opener against San Francisco, I think you could expect to see Joey Porter Jr. on the field a lot early in the season. I hear you on that. And I, th- I think it also speaks a lot to Joey Porter Jr. here because, you know, your point about Artie Burns being thrown in a little bit there uh, at some point in his rookie season, he was also a guy who, when he came to the Steelers at cornerback, they desperately needed corners. Like, this, the Steelers needed young corners. But with Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace, you have two legitimate starters. And Akella Witherspoon, though he's released now, going into the draft, he would have been a like a solid guy to come off the bench on the outside. Um but if you go back to Artie Burns' year, their corners were William Gay, Ross Cockrell, Cody Sensabaugh. William Gay was doing a fine job, and Ross Cockrell wasn't terrible, but 
they weren't guys that were getting you four interceptions in, in a year like Levi Wallace. They weren't future Hall of Famers like Patrick Peterson. In fact, I remember, I'm sure you remember those days too. Every offseason, it was should the Steelers trade for Patrick Peterson was a daily topic for for a while uh, as he was get as he was looking to leave the Cardinals for a bit there. But uh, you know, Artie Burns was a guy who didn't initially win the win the win, win the pro, win the job uh, as as rookie partially because he was injured. Uh, but I also think that you know, this, a lot of people agreed that like the Steelers kind of forced themselves into that position after the, the Bengals took William Jackson the third because they really wanted a cornerback. And Artie Burns was a good athlete, but didn't have all the mental parts of it there. Joey Porter Jr. At least talking to him, he seems to have all of that. He seems right at home. He seems, and but at the same time, he seems humble and hungry to get ready to work. And I think that that's going to play a big role in him overcoming the challenges that he needs to overcome to earn a starting spot as a rookie for the Steelers defense. Yeah, absolutely. If you go back to that 2016 season, if you remember, Chris, um, right about the time when Artie entered the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I think a week before or a week later, Cam Hayward exited yeah. because he had that pectoral injury. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point they were like four and five, you know, they weren't doing great. And I think a lot of people would just kind of said, it's not going to be their year, but lo and behold, um, guys step up and they make this run. I think they win nine in a row um, or even more in the playoffs before um, they lose to the Patriots in, in the AFC championship game. So I mean, football's it can be funny sometimes. You know, you have a big injury. You're starting a rookie. You're like, oh, boy, here we go. There's going to be some growing pains. But it just kind of fit. And it wasn't all because of Artie Burns was was playing lights out. It's because all the pieces around him fit really good into an 11-man unit. So, um, you know, I think the Steelers coaches will get a feel for how that works this year. Sometimes, you know, I think compared to other franchises, they're overly deliberate with – how they bring along some rookies. You know, I think if you go back to last year and Kenny Pickett, I think more than half the teams in the league might have just said, hey, Kenny, you're our guy in April. Go take the reins and Mm -hmm. see what you can do. But they wanted to be careful. They wanted to do it a certain way. And I think they do that with other positions other than the quarterback too. So, um, you know, to answer your question, you know, I I think Joey, yeah, he's going to have to prove some things. Um, But, again, fans, don't be alarmed if it doesn't happen like on August 1st or even on September 1st. I I think just understand the way the Steelers do business. I think a lot of times they want these guys to earn it on the field, and I think in due time, Joey Porter Jr. will do that. I hear you on that. We'll see if he does. Training camp uh, players report less than a month now. July 27th was, was, was when they'll arrive at St. Vincent College, and we'll be getting our training camp coverage around then. We have a lot more to talk about before then. We'll get to that there, uh, talking Steelers as the rest of the summer rolls on. We also got to talk about other sports, though, because the Penguins had the NHL draft, and we're going to talk about Braden Yeager. We got Matt Benzel on in just a minute here talking Penguins, and don't go anywhere after that. We also got Pirates talk with Andrew McCutcheon's stance against the smog and everything everything that's been going on uh, with Major League Baseball having to play, even with the haze in the air, as well as what's gotten into the Pirates with their sweep of the San Diego Padres. Thanks again to Ray. We'll be right back here in a minute on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, I want to talk to you guys about GameTime.co, the number one app that you need to download right now to get you your, your tickets for events the fast and easy way, even if it's at the last minute. And these are events that can close, include sports, music, comedy, theater, and all sorts of events that are near you in your area. You get killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee that just can't be beat so that you can stop
stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. The Game Time app, which you can download right to your, your phone or mobile device right now, allows you to book tickets up to the last minute, even if you didn't plan out far in advance. And those tickets are exclusive flash deals on a, on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, anything that anything that's an event near you that has a ticket, most likely Game Time has, a, has, has tickets available for it. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and same row at the same event for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference between those prices. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switch topics to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's our esteemed Penguins beat writer, Matt Vensel, who joins the show. It's been a minute, but Matt, you've had a lot to do lately. The Penguins' new GM, Kyle Dubas, has gone through. They've made their draft picks. We're going to get some of the talk about draft picks, a trade that was made. But Matt, give us your your first impression of Braden Yeager, the first-round pick that the Penguins grabbed an 18-year-old center that they've added to the roster. Yeah, it's always hard to know with these kids, especially in hockey. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, I guess with the NBA, you have international players. But in the NFL, it's like they're all in college. And even though there's different levels, it it makes it easier to gauge players against each other. And, you know, all these leagues are different. I mean, the Pens picked three guys from Finland. But um, with Jaeger, you know, he plays in in a, a pretty tough league in the Western Hockey League. I know the Penguins like the fact that he played against good competition there, including Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick, and they thought he performed pretty well there. Um, he's got a good shot. He uh, improved his playmaking this year, and the Penguins talked a lot about how you know they think he can be a two-way center, um, which they kind of said that about every single player except one that they think they can be a two-way player. But I do think with him's legitimate, like you know, and, and what the prospect analysts and the draft analysts how they project him. I mean. You know, he's not seen as a player who is probably going to be like a 40-goal scorer someday, but that doesn't mean he can't be a really good middle six center. Um, he has played wing some, but they, the Penguins see him as a center. And then, you know, on a character standpoint, you know, they think he's a great kid. Um, they met with him at the Combine. They took him to dinner. Apparently had like a really bad case of food poisoning at the Combine. Oh. And, um, yeah, almost wasn't able to make it out for dinner, and he insisted on going. And, and was able to get it together and go to the dinner. And it's just a little thing, but the Penguins, you know, think that said something about just kind of the way he's wired. So naturally they're pretty excited about the pick. I mean, this is the highest the Penguins have picked a player um, since 2012. Um, so we'll see if, you know, maybe they should have picked a different player there. Um, but it seems like a player who at the very least has a chance to, a, a pretty good chance to play in the league. Um, we'll just see if he can become a difference maker or not. No, Matt, I know that it, it is, like you said, it's different than the NHL with the age range as far as uh, as young players coming in. How long will it do you, do you anticipate Braden Yeager to work his way up to be a guy that, that regularly contributes to the roster? Yeah, he said probably two or three years. I mean, he, he said he would leave it up to the Penguins, but Duba said similar something similar, generally speaking, before the draft, just talking about the expectations from players in that range. I mean, you know, some of the, the top five, top 10 picks that we'll see them play in the NHL, but, but really beyond the top 10, it, it's, it's very, a, 
every year there's a small group of players who even play in the league. So he's going to go to the Western League. He talked about wanting to get bigger and stronger. Um, you know, and I mean, unless he just like blows the Penguins away in camp, um, you know, he's going to go back to the Western League. So, you know, at minimum, he's a guy that maybe we can start thinking about it at, at next year's camp where maybe he can, he can, you know, barge his way into it. But, you know, with the, the college hockey or uh, the Canadian Hockey League roles, I mean, these guys basically, if they don't play in the NHL, um, they got to go back to juniors. They can't go to the AHL. So um, that's kind of the path there. But I, I think where he is in his development, I think at least in, heading into 23-24, um, you know, going back to Moose Jaw is, is the right place for him to be. I hear you on that. There's 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 some out there that might be thinking that the Penguins are making a mistake by drafting young players when you still have their core together and that they could they could have used that pick to get someone who would contribute before because you I mean you imagine whenever Jaeger does come up that's if Crosby's still around it's not going to be like you know he's not going to be able to do nearly as much do you see that as a mistake or do you think it's time for the Penguins to make these kind of investments to build to build their future. Yeah, I don't have a problem with them making the pick. I mean, for one, we don't know what was out there for the Penguins. I mean, I did ask Dubas after the draft, like, did you get offered anything that, you know, made you seriously think? And he said, yeah, we got some offers, but nothing that made us want to, you know, move away from picking Jaeger here. So who knows what they would have offered? I mean, he kind of said a week ago, you know, if I'm going to move that pick, it's got to be for a younger impact NHL player to kind of thread that needle. So I know some fans wanted to see them just like trade that pick for whatever they could get that would help the Penguins now. But, hey, let's not forget, you know, if the Penguins do return to contending for them this year or next, and Jaeger was a good pick. I mean, that's a prospect that they'll be able to, you know, include in a deal. So, you know, that's what I would say to the people who think, okay, why didn't they use the pick? Because, you know, it's not to say that they couldn't trade this player or a future pick or anything else down the road if, if they feel it's warranted. I hear you on that. Give us just an outlook on the rest of the picks that they made after Jaeger. Is there any sleeper here that really caught your eye as far as, Ooh, that, that could be a really good, uh, good addition down the line somewhere. What I was said, cause I have no idea about any of these guys. Um, you know, five <laughs> of the, uh, you know, four of the five guys they picked on day two were European players. Um, okay. And, and this is what I'm talking about with the different leagues. They had three fins, but I can tell you what Nick Pryor, their, uh, their, um, uh, director of amateur ca- scouting said, I mean, he said Dubas, Dubas came, uh, Cal Dubas came in late to the draft process. Um, you know, the Penguins pretty much already had their board set. I mean, I'm sure he had influence on, on a few things there, but he, prior said that Dubas's big message was they wanted to take more home run swings instead of going for singles and doubles with some of these picks. And, mm. and it does sound like they did that with some of these selections here. Um, taking a couple of guys with upside. I mean, in the third round, they took a defenseman named Emil Pieniemi. Pieniemi. There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many third rounders actually make it, but it seems like he has a pretty intriguing uh, skill set. Six foot two defenseman, 175 pounds, skates pretty well, uh, is pretty good with the puck. I mean, it sounds like, you know, the Penguins and him were kind of betting on a, a chance on a guy who has some puck skills. And another guy, another Finn that, or actually in the last, in the seventh round, that the core Finns, uh, Neil Jarventi, which definitely sounds like a home run swing type pick. I mean, Pryor said, okay. look, he basically said, we don't know if this guy can play defense. That's not what he said explicitly, but he was like, look, this guy has tolls. 
Um, he's a great offensive player. We need him to round out his game. But that sounds like the type of home run swing that they were talking about. And they also took a big defenseman from Finland named Cali Kangas. So, you know, we'll see if any of these guys pan out. I mean, odds are, you know, if it's a good draft, like three of these seven players, three of these six players will will play NHL games. But it does sound like they went out, especially in the – He's laid around pit. Okay, like let's take some big hacks here and see what we come up with. I want to also talk to you about a trade that was made to acquire a wing, a wingman or a winger that's going to be here. You get Riley Smith, thirty-two year old winger, scored I believe twenty-six goals and fifty-six points last year. What was what? What was your reaction to this trade? As far as did it make sense? Is this is this a guy that's going to really help what they're doing right now? And and what is this kind of set up for the outlook of what else Dubas needs to do this year? Sure. I mean, I, I think it was a good deal. They gave up a future third round pick, which, you know, isn't nothing, but it's not it's not a significant asset they had to give up for a good player. I mean, Vegas was in a in a cap crunch. They wanted to sign Ivan Barbashev. That made Riley Smith expendable. They basically gave Barbashev the same money that Smith was getting. So, mm. you know, Dubas talked about there being opportunities to get in on a deal like this where teams were looking to shed contracts of good players. And so I think it was smart to move in. Um, Riley Smith is versatile. Um, he can play left wing or right wing. Um, he's probably, at least they're, it looks like they're going to give him the first shot alongside Evgeny Malkin. Um, maybe he plays up the lineup, down the lineup. We'll see. Um, very good player off the rush. He can kill penalties too. I mean, he had four shorthanded goals last year and he, you know, he's one of the, the most accomplished players and the, the young history of the Vegas Golden Knights. So he's a good player. He's 32. Um, but I still think, you know, it doesn't look like he, you have to worry about his, you know, production or something a cliff. And then, you know, in terms of the uh, the cost, I mean, I think it makes sense. Dubas talked about how there's a lot of uncertainty heading free agency on Saturday, um, you know, both in terms of where things stand with his free agents, like Jason Zucker, and also just like, what are the prices going to be on the open market? And he saw this as an opportunity to lock in a good player at a, at a cost, you know, in terms of the cap that they were comfortable with. So he pounced on it. So that's just putting one piece of the puzzle in place, um, you know, as they head into free agency. And you do wonder what it means for, for Jason Zucker. Um, you know, both Dubas and Mike Sullivan said on Wednesday that it didn't close the door on Zucker coming back. But, um, you know, if he gets offers in free agency, it's, it's, it's hard to see them making that work. I hear what you mean. There's going to be some tough decisions to, to be made, but Matt Benson will be all over them here for us for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Matt, we'll be love to have you on again next week to talk about some of the moves that are made over this weekend and what the, what the Penguins do, do. Thanks again, everyone. Go check out Matt Benson's work at post-gazette.com and all the things the Penguins did in the draft and are going to do in free agency. we got to switch topics to the Pirates. Jason Mackey is here to talk about the sweep that the Pirates had over the Padres and whether or not it's sustainable moving forward for them to try to get back on the plus side of the 500 that and more here in the north shore drive podcast i'm your host chris carter stick with us we'll be right back We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Jason Mackey. We switched to the Pirates. And Jason, we got to talk about a few things. Yes, the Pirates did get a sweep. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the story right now kind of for baseball is uh, looking at what the the conditions have been with the smog that has been coming down from the wildfires in Canada. And Andrew McCutcheon 
has stood up about the conditions that the players are having to deal with uh, with this. And there's been some pushback from him in the league and some interesting stuff there about, like, you know, the players having to play it. He wore a mask visibly during the game. And uh, there's been a lot of cons- uh, back and forth about whether or not the players should be able to endure it, shouldn't be able to endure it. Can you break down for us, like, all the kind of the back and forth that has been so far? Yeah, I'll just kind of take you inside the clubhouse as to my day. Um, that's how this kind of started. So I see Andrew McCutcheon walk in and he and Rich Hill are kind of talking about the smoke. Um, This has been, you know, this is the benefit of being there and talking to people. Like I was talking to Mitch Keller and Rich Hill about this, about air quality, about how guys, this is just off the record, just people talking. And then, you know, in walks McCutcheon. Okay, well, I go up to cut and start asking him about, are you concerned? He said, of course I'm concerned. And he starts talking about his kids. His kids' activities are canceled. My my kids' activities are adjusted. You know, everybody's, everybody's in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's saying, you know, I wish we had more information. And then he made some comment about, you know, but I guess that's not important to whoever decides if we play. And I'm like, thought in my head, okay, we're going down that road. He's mm-hmm. got, he's got something to say. So, uh, I forget the follow-up question I asked, but you know, it started the whole, you know, we're not doing enough. We don't care enough. They played in Chicago. That must be good enough. Where are we as a society? Like cuts just laid into them. Um, you know, in, in backstory, like I'm texting with our editor, Ryan, about, you know, do we want to do a reaction to this? And we just kind of like, wait and see, let's see what players say. I leave the clubhouse after that. I'm like, um, McCutcheon said some things we're going to want to write at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like the understatement of my career. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, go write that immediately. Um, so that was, that was an experience, but I mean, just to wrap this up, Chris, Kutch doesn't feel like, or didn't feel like I should say that. Uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association both are taking players' feelings and, and safety into account. This is not a Pirates issue. People want to make this a Pirates issue and say they did something wrong. The Pirates can't unilaterally say they're playing. They can't unilaterally say they're not playing. This mm-hmm. is the two sides talking to one another. And I think what we learned through all of this, because it was kind of damage control after the game, that the league and the union really didn't talk. They didn't work together at all on this. They are now, and they're kind of involving the players more. But that's what had people like Kutch so mad. I, I agree. And, and listen, I, I think that there are some people out there that think that this isn't that bad because they have driven around it. They've like stood in it or they've like, oh, I went outside today. It was just fine. I can tell you as as a 34 year old man who you know, I'm not in the best shape of my life or nothing, but I, I work out here and there. And I was, uh, you know, I was out in it for about three hours covering a Steelers minicamp practice or OTA practice the last time that, that Pittsburgh was dealing with some smog from Canadian wildfires. And uh, I, I thought I was fine throughout the most of the day, but when I got home, the amount of I, I couldn't stop coughing. I couldn't stop. You know, it made it so hard to breathe. I'm an asthmatic, so it made me have to like go in to check for that. Uh, you know, my 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 partner who I, I live with, she was she was concerned we might have to go to the hospital at one point because because of, of my my breathing problems. And that was just that's just me. You know, I yep. you know, I can't imagine for older people that are out there that deal that deal with health issues or even just players. You know, Jerome Bettis is a very famous asthmatic who played here in the city of Pittsburgh, and you know that was something that he dealt with in places that were just you know high high climates like Denver where they had to really watch for things. There, this is a whole different situation, and I I really think it's important that people take it seriously like uh, like you've reported on it seriously and how Kutch has been talking about it yeah I mean you can't just cancel the season right like you have to do something they have to figure out a way I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world for the Pirates to hit pause and figure out how to make up this Padres game and have a few more conversations no I think because of how late in the game the players said what they said and there wasn't really more communication early on the group that got screwed was the fans and they yeah. show up there expecting a 12:35 start 
And then all of a sudden, everybody starts talking. And this happens to be right when the game is about to start. And you've exposed 16,000 fans, including a lot of kids, because it's it's daytime in yeah. the air that they don't really need to. I mean, now, granted, you sign up to go to the game. You know what you're co- coming in for. You don't have to go to the game. Nobody's forcing you. So mm-hmm. I, I get that side of it. I just think one of the things with this, Chris, that really stands out to me, and it's it's sort of like COVID, you know, it's just people not able to see how it looks for everybody else. Like I might be able to go outside and be totally fine. And I I largely was, I've been unaffected by this and I'm very thankful for that. But Rich Hill was somebody I thought adds added some nice perspective. I was talking to him about it and he's like, you know, there's so many other people that are involved, you know, stadium and vendors and, and, you know, security people and, and team personnel and players and coaches. And like this decision is so much bigger than us. And he's like, I would just like to see a more collaborative effort, which is totally fair. Totally fair. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully we're on that page now. It just shouldn't have taken this long. I agree. We, it shouldn't have taken this long. But let's talk about some actual baseball here. And the, the Pirates, they did, they, they did the thing. They swept the Padres. They were able to, they were to come back and win 5-4. to four. Uh, Another game where we – it's funny. When we talked about on our last episode Wednesday, we saw the start of the Tuesday game. And we were like, oh, boy, here they go. And it was a yep. similar thing here. I saw them go, go down three, uh, 4-0, and I was like, well, that, well, at least they took two games out of the series. But they, the bats come alive late. And as you wrote for the Post-Gazette, the bullpen. Really, really came up big. They've been coming up big late, lately uh, in this sort of a turnaround they've had for the past few games. What did you see from the bullpen that has helped them have these better performances lately? Yeah, a few different things. Um, Angel Perdomo has been really good. And if, if people watching and listening to this don't know who he is, he's the big dude in the bullpen that gets a lot of strikeouts and look like looks like O'Neill Cruz. Um, <laughs> like six foot eight Dominican dude with threads. Throws somewhat hard, but he's just a funky arm angle. Um, some good breaking stuff, but he was really good. And I feel like he's been a, a big help to what they've done. Carmen Majinski is another guy that not necessarily today, but yesterday used in the seventh inning and came in in a big spot. Dari Moretta was better today. Obviously, David Bednar at the back end. They're going to get Colin Holderman back on Friday. That matters okay. a lot to this group. So, yeah, they had a really strong homestand, and it's about darn time. Um, that group has fallen on some hard times. It's endured some injuries. But they've had some change over there. Um, of all people, Ryan Barucki, I thought was excellent. The left-hander they claimed off of waivers. He joined them in Milwaukee. He came in in a tough spot. Bases loaded. Um, got a key out there. So you have different guys, guys that you never would have thought would be on this team stepping up and they're doing something. And it's going to be really interesting, Chris, whenever they start to get some of their regular people back. Will Crows throwing live batting practice. Like I said, Holderman will be back tomorrow. Jose Hernandez is not far away. I expect those guys to join, but the deeper this group is, the better because they have needed arms. I agree, I agree with you there. The top of the lineup got got active in this one. So, so, so Winsky getting a hit and a run, uh, McCutcheon going two for four, and Henry Davis going going three for four with two RBIs. He's batting three fifty one right now in the time that he's been since he's been called up with the Pirates. Uh, is this something that that can sustain itself into the Brewers series? Because now they're coming to town, and this is the Pirates' chance to kind of get some payback, uh, if you will for what they what they dealt with at the Brewers' hands in, in Milwaukee when they last played? I think so, Chris. I like it. I like the way this lineup looks. I don't know if they're going to keep Sawinski at the top. I don't know if that's a permanent thing. Probably won't do that if there's a left-handed starter on the mound. But against the righty, sure. What the heck? And um, I just want to talk about his um, two-run tying single today, which I thought was just the most baseball thing ever. 
Um, you've got a dude up in that situation. He has not singled since June 11th. All of his hits have been home runs. It's either That's crazy. feast or famine with him. It's a, a, such an absurd stat. He doesn't hit lefties at all. He uh, hits this little number up the right side. It's absolutely nothing. The pitcher picks it up, throws it away. What do you, He gets a single. He gets two key <laughs> RBIs against the left-hander. Like the, the key situation of the game, Henry Davis comes through with like a little bloop the right field. They take the lead. Um, and I, I, I also want to take a small credit, but it's just it's more of a joke. Um, I said to Andrew Destin, I said, they're going to, you know, they're going to come back and win, right? They're going to come back and win five. <laughs> uh, he goes, why do you say that? I said, in baseball, every so often you have these days that are just nuisance days where, where the, the sport just blows up on you and, it, and you're going to just wear it. Today's one of those days. And so the most inconvenient thing for a writer is going to happen where they're going to come back and it's going to be a guy that generally takes a long time to come out after showering and post-game stuff. He's going to be the hero. That was Jack Sawinski, my And that friend. was Sawinski. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sawinski and Henry Davis are like two of the last in the clubhouse. Um, so anyway, that, that was fun. I think the top of the lineup can sustain it. Um, I look at the Brewers. I mean, this this should be a much more beatable team. They did not have a great showing in Milwaukee. Should be an excellent series this week. I'm up. Absolutely. They got Beto, Oviedo, and Hill on the mound throughout throughout the weekend here in Pittsburgh as they take on Milwaukee. Also, uh, for those who don't know, comebacks are the writers' worst nightmare. Like, everyone roots for a comeback yeah. when they're watching a game, but we do not because we like to go home. Uh, so, so, well, you, and you don't, you, you, you don't like to have your work wasted, what? right? Right. Like you're, you wrote a great story. You're all feeling good about it, and then they, they come back. I didn't even write the other version. I knew it. I, I'm convinced of it, Chris. I knew it. And, like, this is how it works in our house. Like, if, if there's something that my wife is watching and I'm writing and there's, like, a dramatic comeback late, doesn't matter what, she'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Or so it's, not, it's not like, oh, this happened. This is so fun. It's like we immediately see the death in it. Um, maybe that's too extreme. But, yes, writers no. think about comebacks differently than you do. No, it, it is it is actually really funny to talk about because when I explain this to people, they're like, huh, I never realized that. Yeah, the, the, writers, when you got to put something up as soon as the game's over, you got to put something – I mean, you got you are writing like crazy when that comeback you, is going on. You want a football game decided by halftime. I Absolutely. want a baseball game done in the fourth inning. If that happens, <laughs> man, I'm good. That is, exactly. Let's put that story to bed. Let's go get some quotes, and let's go get out of there and have a nice night. Absolutely. Jason will be there at the ballpark this weekend covering the Pirates. Uh, shout out to Andrew Destin, too, for all the work y'all do as a tag team cover, covering yep. the Buccos. We'll get we'll talk to you guys, too, after the after the series is over going into Monday, because then the Pirates are going back on the road. They got four games against the Dodgers and then they go up against the Diamondbacks right after that. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Say thanks to Jason. Thanks to Matt Benzel for talking about the Penguin Draft. And thanks to Ray Fittipaldo for talking Steelers. Appreciate everything from, from our crew here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Get all of our content at post-gazette.com. And of course, the North Shore Drive Mon- podcast, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right here on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.